Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The hang-ups we have today. Welcome in to episode 189 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. The Sources Say Podcast is presented, as always, by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can make an appointment at one of two Lexington locations. That's on Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway. Now's a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember that regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson look forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I am fantastic, Jack. How are you? Oh, goodness gracious. It has been a minute since we've been able to uh, sit down and do one of these shows. I believe the last time we did one was actually our uh, Adidas 3SSB scouting report breakdown from what? Shoot, three weeks ago, Sean, I believe. Yeah, I think that was the last day that I actually worked <laughs> until today. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. so here's uh, so, so here, that's for sure. <laughs> So here's the deal. I uh, had a week-long vacation, and I went with my wife's family uh, to Destin. It was nine adults, three toddlers, and an infant, uh, all under the same roof. So it was a week of uh, relaxation on the beach, but at the same time, a lot of babysitting and just absolute hectic, hectic chaos, mess. It was just, it was just crazy. Um, so we get back. Uh, and then, uh, you know, slowly recover, getting back into the groove of things. Uh, and then, uh, you know, before I knew it, uh, I was staying with you three nights in a row uh, for your wedding. We got Sean Smith of Go Be Blue Country hitched this past weekend in Lexington. It was an amazing, amazing weekend, uh, basically inseparable from Thursday, what, evening at like eight o'clock until, I guess, Sunday early morning, Sean, uh, you know, 2 a.m. was the last time I got to see you on, on Sunday morning. So uh, we got you hitched and it was a great time and grateful that I was able to be a part of it and uh, um, a lot of fun. But it, we're, we're finally slowly getting back into the groove of things. But goodness gracious, what a whirlwind of a, of a couple of weeks it's been for, I guess, the both of us. Yeah, you didn't you didn't leave my side for for three days from Thursday at like 5 p.m., 6 p.m. till literally Sunday morning at 2 a.m. We were together the entire time. At one point, I mean, I thought I was just going to marry you. We've been there for the entire time. But no, we had a fantastic weekend and uh, a lot of fun. Great. Just a, a great time. And 
had a lot of people under the same roof that, you know, that I care deeply about and love. And uh, Jack delivered one of the best speeches that I've ever heard at a wedding. He, he was real with it, talked about our relationship with work and some of the things that we would definitely get fired for if people could hear him <laughs> say. And uh, would surprise we didn't just break out a Source to Say podcast at some point on the weekend. It was discussed. But then we we quickly realized that I we had already showed up late to the rehearsal dinner on Friday and nine minutes late to when we're when we're when we're supposed to be there for the wedding. So Jack and I were like, yeah, we can't push this anymore. Maybe I wouldn't be getting married. EYBL was in Louisville this past week. And I also managed to juggle that in between the wedding and. Uh, you know, a- afterward festivities, that that's where I was all day Monday. Uh, so that kind of, you know, wrecked me, you know, just in terms of fatigue and all that. But uh, yeah, late Friday night, we were considering because the YBL started at like 9, 930 that morning. We were like, man, how badass would it be for us to drive all the way from Lexington to Louisville the morning of your wedding, watch a couple games, see, you know, interview some of these kids, get back at whatever it was, one o'clock, two o'clock that we had to be be starting to get ready for the wedding. But uh, we decided it was in our best interest in uh, the uh, safety of your marriage, that wedding actually happening for you to not go ahead and do that. So we, uh, uh, we opted not to do it, but we ended up making it work, got you hitched. And now we are back into the groove of things, Sean, congratulations to you both. Uh, very happy and proud uh, of both of you, but now the grind continues and uh, go figure the news just continues to ramp up. And we talked about it before we started recording. It's, it's been just dead tumbleweeds just flying through every single day. Nothing to talk about, no recruiting updates, absolutely nothing. Uh, and then go figure on this uh, win uh, or whatever today is Tuesday uh, we get three major pieces of news uh, regarding a a returnee, a departure, and a new addition of the coaching staff. So uh, clearly, we got to get started with the biggest news of the day, and that is uh, Jaden Sharp. After a long, drawn out, hectic, chaotic, annoying, frustrating. Uh, just disappointing process. Shaden Sharp uh, announces that he will be leaving Kentucky without playing a single minute for the Wildcats. Uh, He was a very short and sweet two-paragraph statement that he put out on Twitter. Uh, Up until this point, we are recording at 11.55 p.m. on Tuesday evening. UK still hasn't even acknowledged that he is leaving, which... Uh, don't know what that means. If you know, I know Cal said on on Feinbaum earlier, you know, you gotta support this kid and don't be hard on him and all that stuff. But Sean UK didn't even announce that that he is officially leaving. Very uh, tense situation, you'd think, uh, over at the UK basketball facilities. A uh, kid that they had high hopes for, a kid that his camp. Uh, said repeatedly over and over and over again that he was going to be returning for uh, the 2022-2023 a guy, a season, a guy that that Kentucky just assumed was going to be their superstar, the face of the program, going into the next season, uh, decides to leave without playing a single minute. Uh, and uh, Sean, as expected, the uh, reaction is uh, quite mixed. Uh, I think that's probably the easiest way to put it. Yeah, it is. It was a situation that just continued to to drag out with the possibility of him returning to Kentucky. I know that the door was never officially shut until tonight, but that news tonight it it was probably the least surprising news that we've received in in weeks. Right, like we we all expected this to be the final outcome. It's unfortunate. I've, I've been seeing a lot of people 
you know, dig up the old tweets and, and things from from things that were said as far back as last fall. And then John Calipari's tweet, I believe the date was February 7th, right there after the Vanderbilt game, when it was kind of decided that Shaden would for sure not play for Kentucky this season. And, and you just I think that's the painful thing about it is it it just seems like it's so many people were misled into thinking that Shaden would be at Kentucky next season on that roster. And uh, he, he's not. He's Standing in the draft, how far does he fall? Like, is he a, a guy that falls into 10, 11, 12, 13 range of the draft? I think that remains to be seen, but it definitely just leaves a bad taste in everyone's mouth. And and to me, it just delayed the inevitable, right? When he announced, when it was announced that he would be declaring for the draft and stuff a month ago, and then his side comes out and says, no, that this isn't a for, for sure thing. Like, he's going to leave open the option to return. It felt like in that moment, Jack, that the final decision had already been made. It was just kind of trying to avoid the backlash from it, and I think it led to even more. But so when that news was announced tonight, Kentucky fans had already been prepared for this. I don't, I don't think anyone's mind was changed on on how the situation was handled. But a lot of the frustration, you know, towards Sharp's camp and, and how that situation played out, and now Kentucky and everyone can finally move on and. I think the thing that I'm interested the most in seeing is how this relationship is moving forward. Like, how does it play out on draft night? With is John Calipari a part of the green room? How how much does Kentucky acknowledge Shaden Sharp being a, a Kentucky player? Like, uh, I, I think that's the thing that I'm looking for now because you've already mentioned it's uh, it's now midnight and we've not got anything official that he has, is foregoing or anything like that from UK, no tweet, no, no good luck, nothing like that. So uh, I'm, I'm sure Cal will say something, uh, but I'm not sure how much of it will be because it's kind of to the point now that I think fans just want to just, just move on and not even hear the name Shaden Sharp in the same breath of Kentucky basketball. Yeah, and I think if, if this had been handled from the start uh, in a way where it was like, look, we don't know what the final status is of our, you know, Shaden side and, and on Kentucky side. We don't know what the final status is of his, you know, transcripts, what his eligibility is. That's something we're still trying to navigate. That remains uh, up in the air. Uh, we want to give this a shot. We want to come. We want to, you know, work out for the program. If it works out in our best interest to play, then maybe we will. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're really going to play everything by ear. We'll see how it goes as far as our future here in Lexington. Again, that's up in the air. We need to see how this all unfolds, see, uh, you, you know, how these T's are crossed and, and these I's are dotted. And, and I think if that was the approach that they had all taken from the start, I think there would be a lot less frustration today. Uh, and, you know, just in the weeks leading up to this, I know it really wasn't that bad today because everybody has just kind of been penciling him out of the uh, roster for the last month or two. But had they had that approach where it was like, look, understand that this is a, a can't miss pro uh, situation for us on both sides. Kentucky needs to take this chance just in case uh, Shaden and his camp need to take this chance just in case because you can't fault a kid that wants to be a top 10, top five draft pick. But at the same time, when you say repeatedly over and over again that it is a 100 percent guarantee his you know, handler doing the interviews, talking to me, saying it's uh, it's Apple stock versus cryptocurrency 
uh, you know, some uh, a pop up crypto where uh, you know exactly what you're going to get at Kentucky. You know exactly that you're going to develop into a pro, and we're not going to risk not uh, coming back where he could become a top five pick and yada yada. I mean, the, all the stuff they were saying is just verbal diarrhea at, at this point. When you go back and look at all the quotes and just the way it was all handled, that is the frustration, and that's where the, all of this stemmed from. It's not even about Shaden not playing or, or that they made the decision not to play. It was just the way that it felt like all sides involved were just manipulated, and they were just twisting and turning and trying to figure out this long long play that would end up uh, allowing him to use these facilities, grow into, you know, use this Kentucky platform to, you know, kind of build himself up into a top draft pick, you know, let some scouts see him work out, but not show enough to, you know, just in case he wasn't quite ready yet, you know, still add the mystery intrigue. It, it was, it, it, you know, if we're being totally honest, it was played perfectly on Shaden's side of things, uh, just in terms of, you know, leaving the mystery side of things, still, you, you know, being able to develop at, at a place like Kentucky, he was able to be coached for you know several months under John Calipari like I mean they played their hand perfectly it's just not one that favors Kentucky in, in the slightest I just don't know how Kentucky benefits from this at all outside of uh, Kentucky being next to Shaden's name moving forward uh, and I don't know if that's necessarily something that Kentucky fans uh, even want at this point point. Uh, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on that as well. Yeah, that's the part that I'm most interested in is just, you know, how what direction does this go? Because I'm with you. I, I don't see I don't see how Kentucky benefited from this in any way. And, and I know there's a lot of people saying, well, you technically don't have to replace him because he never did play. And and that's true to, to a point. To me, you're still having to replace a guy that you were banking on being on your roster and kind of being a guy that had the ball in his hands a ton and becoming your star player. Like he was in the fold. He was set to be on the roster next year. You passed up on other options. Possibly you had other talented players there that, that Kentucky may have gotten had Shane Sharp not been in the picture. And this had been news forever ago, uh, especially when it come down to the high school ranks, when it comes to Nick Smith jr. And, and some people like that, I, I think that's where Kentucky kind of hurts the most in this is you out out the door goes a surefire lottery pick that can't be replaced when it comes to what he was going to be on this roster like there's nobody out there that then there's nobody on this roster that can kind of fill the athleticism role and, and the things that he was going to do so I get it when people say that you don't technically have to replace his production but you're still replacing a lot of talent and trying to do it on a roster that's pretty much set. But I am interested in seeing what this relationship is like. I want to see how John Calipari handles this. Uh, you, you know he's definitely not going to throw Shaden Sharp under the bus at all, and I'm, I'm rightfully so. Uh, this isn't Shaden's fault. This was uh, the fault of people that were handling the situation around him. So I'm interested in seeing how Cal chooses his words between now, the draft, and then moving forward, you you definitely think Kentucky's now in a situation when it comes to high caliber kids, they probably never put themselves in that position again moving forward. Yeah, and I mean now you you just got to think about what comes next for Kentucky. It is, uh, I mean, I don't know how you can look at this roster and see. Uh, or, or I guess the other options that are out there right now and see any potential, you know, fits at, in terms of, of a star, that guy, you know, maybe Patrick Baldwin was a guy that we talked about earlier on the show is maybe, uh, uh, okay. He had a rough year 
uh, at at Milwaukee. You know, he was injured, inefficient, but he was a former number, you know, top five prospect in America looking for a fresh, you know, you know, change of scenery. You know, maybe that could be where Kentucky gets its start. Its start power. He decides to keep his name in the NBA draft. Leonard Miller is a guy who kind of emerged onto the scene as a you know one of the top available seniors in the class, and a Canadian kid. You could you start thinking, hey, maybe if Kentucky's going to lose one Canadian and Shaden Sharp, they can add one to replace him, who is kind of that same blow up late. Uh, you know, he's six eleven. You know, just just a lot of things that other people in college, but in the the college basketball ranks can't do Leonard Miller was able to do you started thinking hey maybe that could be that Kentucky hosts him on an official visit and then today he announces just uh, several hours before Shaden does that he is also keeping his name in the draft or at the very least uh, exploring his pro options with the NBA G League Ignite he is no longer going going to college, and that is no longer an option for Kentucky. Now you look at the board, you look in there, you know that that Illinois sharpshooter uh, Granderson is is now available. You could you know possibly look at him. He's a forty two percent three point shooter, uh, but you know he that's not a star. That's my that's like a CJ Frederick injury insurance type piece, or maybe Antonio Reeves the the jump to you know, from the Missouri Valley to, to UK and the SEC, maybe that jump is too substantial and you need uh, another complimentary piece. He's not a shade and sharp. He's not going to come in and be a star. He averaged nine points a game at Illinois. He is a very impressive piece. If you do want to go and add him and Sean, I'm curious your thoughts about adding a guy like that, but I do think that that is kind of what's left on the table for Kentucky. Now that Shaden has decided uh, to kind of leave Kentucky handing uh, empty handed, on that front, you're not going to find a superstar in the portal. No, no one's going to be withdrawing from the draft in the next 24 hours that that could fill that void. Uh, the situation just kind of is what it is, and you just kind of hope for the best at this point. Uh, now that Shaden has officially decided to leave, you got to hope that the pieces they have in place will will be good enough or step up. And, you know, make a big enough jump from this past year to uh, next season uh, to kind of fill the the void that Shaden is leaving on this roster. Yeah, and, and it's, to me, it all starts, and we're going to get into this, especially as we go throughout the summer, talking about this roster and the strengths and the weaknesses and the, and the things that we want to see. But, you know, whether or not that they add anyone else, if someone's there here in the next week or so that kind of just makes sense and, and or something along those lines, I, I think it's all going to honestly start with the health of C.J. Frederick, Jack. Like, I, I think that there's going to be a ton of stories written between now and Big Blue Madness and those exhibition schedules and then whatever, obviously the Bahamas uh, games coming up, like we'll, I'm expecting, I'm sure that information will be announced sometime in June on, on dates and things for that official dates. But to me, CJ Frederick is going to be a storyline all off season. It's going to be centered around his health and if he stays healthy, can he up that production that he had at Iowa for two years? We know the shooting percentage is going to be there. We know he's going to be a player that's going to take care of the ball. If he stays healthy, I have no concerns about what Kentucky can do offensively and with their backcourt, but we do know that the injury concerns are there with him. We know that Sabir being a smaller guard, there was some injury and banged up issues there this past season. I think that's the biggest concern that you have about this roster and having – no shade and sharp on it. It certainly hurt the depth and the depth of talent in the backcourt. But Kentucky has good guards. It's just you're looking at this, and does a, a guy like a Dutero, does he 
is he able to play right out of the gate? Is he able to provide something for this team and, and stuff? Like there, there's a lot of storylines that, that you're looking at, but to me, it all starts with CJ. And that's my only concern. If they have a healthy CJ Frederick and he can go the distance, not miss a lot of time, no major injuries. I think Kentucky's going to be okay, but all along I've been saying I would have loved to have seen another capable piece on this roster that could have slid and played at the two or the three. Uh, is it a Jacob Toppin that, that gets some minutes at the three just to, to keep things moving? Is it Chris Livingston getting a lot of time at the three? Like They have options, but it, it felt like they maybe needed another guy that could grab some minutes at the two in case they needed it. Well, I, you know, on, on that note, that Jacob Grandson, the uh, Illinois transfer, uh, Kentucky's already been connected with him as a potential option, and he averaged uh, this past season in Illinois, played 30 games, averaged 9.6 points per game, 3.8 rebounds, 2.3 assists, shot 41% from the from the three and 82% from the free throw line, uh, you know, 6'6", 205 pounds at the guard position. That kind of feels like that guy maybe. It, if, fits, you know, it, it fits. It, 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 to me, That that's a perfect fit with what you're yeah. wanting and what you're trying to get. And he's been at Illinois since 2019, came in, so he has the chin and, and Orlando-Antigua connection. Uh, I mean, it, it does make a lot of sense for Kentucky. I mean, shoot, you want, you want CJ to be the guy. CJ is talented enough to start from day one at that two or three position. Like, I, I'm very confident in CJ's abilities. I, I think he's underrated as a defender. He's if a coin he's healthy, three. I think starts. Yeah. I think that's pretty clear. But when you have that type of bad injury luck in the past where the dude has that, the you know, the foot injury has to have surgery earlier in the summer, works his ass off to get all the way back up to, you know, where he needs to be. And then literally, you know, tears his hamstring going up for a dunk, at, you know, during the pregame warmups against Duke. Like that's just trash injury luck that you just, you have to feel sick for that dude. Uh, and, you know, I, you know, he's working so hard to get back and we actually get the chance to talk to him tomorrow at the, you know, uh, pro camp, uh, camp that he's running tomorrow. So I'm, I'm excited to, to get a chance to talk to him and kind of get an update on how his injury status is and all that. Um, but you know, it, that's one of those deals that you just saw what happened this past year for Kentucky, Sean, where injuries just depleted the team down the stretch. And CJ was a guy that UK just desperately needed and, and, and he wasn't available. And, and that's just one of those things that uh, as much as you love CJ, as much as you love the roster on the surface level as is, uh, you know, nine guys is nine guys. Ten, ten guys is ten guys. When you have 13 scholarships available, why not use one on a guy like Jacob Granitz? And that's a perfect fit. Uh, you know, a guy that shot 41% from three on a, a, a high number of attempts as well. I believe he took four, yeah, 4.5 attempts per game on 41% from the field. That's the perfect, perfect guy to have as a complimentary piece. You know, as a, you know, say that's your Dante Allen or say that's your, you know, Bryce Hopkins, whoever it was, the guy that that gave you 10, 15 minutes uh, a game off the bench, that would be perfect for uh, for Kentucky to add. Now, would that guy who is leaving the current situation that he's in after averaging 25 minutes a game in the Big Ten, will he want to have a bench role uh, at a place like Kentucky next season? I think that's definitely something to keep in mind, and maybe uh, that's something that deters him from coming here. Uh, you know, unless the uh, unless Chin and O, you know, know him and know how good he is and think that he is good enough to, you know, be a, a high level rotation player from day one. You know, is he comfortable with kind of taking a secondary role? That's something that is definitely up in the air. But uh, if if it's a role that he's open for accepting, I, I think it'd be 
stupid not to take a guy like that, especially considering all the injury issues that Kentucky dealt with this past season. It, to me, it makes a ton of sense. With with what you're looking for, like you talked about it a minute ago, you're not going to go get someone that's just going to be a, a star. Not not at this point. That guy's not out there right now and and, and won't be. Uh, for this upcoming season, but when you're you're looking at what he's done, you know you mentioned the shooting percentage. He's been in a winning program. He's played high major basketball. If he would accept whatever his role is at Kentucky, whether that's off the bench or you know a, a guy that they can plug and play and use him for extended minutes if they need him, I think it makes a ton of sense. And then you're adding another quality shooter to your roster. So if that ends up being something that they pursue and it works out. I think it strengthens the way that you view Kentucky because anything that they add that is capable, minutes in the backcourt, I think is going to answer one of my biggest concerns about this roster. And it's just how healthy can they stay at that one and two position and on the perimeter, as long as they stay healthy there, then I think they're going to be okay. And if you can add another guy that has some experience, played a lot of college basketball, started games on a good basketball team, shoots it well, it only strengthens what I think Kentucky is going to be. Another piece that Kentucky gets back, uh, today, Jacob Toppin announces that he is returning for his senior season, now his third year uh, in Lexington. Sean, this is a, a decision that everybody and their mother was expecting. Nobody is shocked. Uh, there were you know, fans complaining on Twitter going, I hate that we even have to get news like this, that uh, a player that should be coming back is coming back. We all know that this is Kentucky. We all know that is not the case, and it hasn't been the case ever under John Calipari, so we need to stop with that stupid mindset. This is what it is. We will be getting news of returns every single year uh, until John Calipari leaves. That is just who it is. If it's a fringe guy, he we're, we're going to get updates like this. This is uh, awesome news. Kentucky gets a guy that they needed back, that they wanted back, that he wanted to come back. Um, you, you know, it, it's kind of been a difficult situation for Jacob because he's been playing behind Keon Brooks, who has been, you know, productive in his time at Kentucky, but has failed to take that next step, you know, take that big leap that people have been waiting two years for, uh, you know, during his time in Lexington. That never came. Jacob Toppin is seen as a guy who has a, a just an unlimited ceiling, somebody that could absolutely make a jump from from uh, year two to year three. Uh, Sean, I, I think there's a lot of excitement around the program about what Jacob Topping can be. He's already shown uh, a high level. Uh, in, there, there were a couple times throughout the season that he'd go baseline and go dunk on somebody's head and follow it up with a pull pull up mid range jumper. Uh, you know that he you could tell that it's starting to click for him. And we've been waiting for something uh, to kind of show that he could become the star that, you know, Obi Toppin, his brother, ended up being. Uh, and and it kind of feels like all he needed was a chance to prove it. He needed the minutes. He needed the role. And now that Keon Brooks is is deciding, uh, you know, he decided to enter the transfer portal, he's going elsewhere. It genuinely feels like now is the time for Toppin to make that, uh, that significant jump going into next season. And I know that uh, Kentucky fans should certainly be excited about the possibility of, of that happening. Yeah, and to me, more minutes for him, a bigger role, it's going to come with he's, – he's a guy that's had so much upside to his game, I, I felt like, since he got to Kentucky. And, right, this was the one that there was no lead-up to Jacob Toppin even transferring to Kentucky when it happened, going into that 2020-21 season there. Uh, you remember we're just sitting there randomly one day, and then Jacob Toppin is a transfer from Rhode Island on Kentucky's roster. We're like, okay, you know, does this? how does this one make sense? 
you saw it with the production, the athleticism, the, the things, but it was in a limited role the last couple of years. To me, more extended minutes for him means significantly better production at that spot on the floor. I think had he played more than Keon played this last year, that Kentucky would have been a better basketball team overall by the end of the season. I liked what Toppin can do on both ends of the floor. I love his ability to defend one through four. I love his energy and his ability to uh, make high-flying plays at the rim and, and catching lobs and, and the block he had against Vanderbilt in the SEC tournament. He impacts the game in a lot of ways. And I think that him being able to slide into a more prominent role, whether it be if he gets to average 26, 27, 28 minutes per game at that spot, maybe play some minutes at the three if need be, but mostly at that four spot, I think Kentucky is going to get the best of Jacob Toppin, the best version that we've seen of Jacob Toppin in college basketball, Jack. And this is a guy who still has a ton of upside to add to his game that with a bigger role, how good can he be? as a senior at Kentucky. And, and you know, it, it now is on him to, you know, take that leap because he's right. going to have the opportunity. He needs to stay in the gym all off season, work on that jumper. I mean, look, he is a jump shot away from being a first round pick. And Ooh. like, I don't think that's even, uh, even that ludicrous to say, like that's not out of the realm of possibility for a guy that's already shown what he can do in terms of athleticism and beating you off the dribble. And uh, he's getting a little bit more consistent with that, that mid range pull up jumper, you know, finishing at the rim, drawing fouls like he like he does a lot of things already as raw as he is. Now it's on him. He's going to have the role. He's going to have the minutes. He's going to have the touches. He needs to take a step up. If he could establish himself as some semblance of a stretch for this season, you know, kind of a, a three and D type guy. I mean, goodness gracious, Sean, like the, the sky is the limit for this team. That's what last year's roster needed. Uh, they needed shooting at that position, and Keon just was not that guy. He's going to give you some in the mid range, but uh, he just was not a threat from the from the three point arc. This is a guy that he on very limited attempts. He finished four of ten on the year, forty percent. You know he, he's going to have to have more volume, and he's going to need to be that same efficiency uh, if Kentucky really wants to take that next jump. Or it's going to come down to Damian Collins or Chris Livingston. One of those three players needs to take a significant jump with Chris potentially being a guy who is just better than expected from day one. Uh, you know, I, I think if, if that's the case, Kentucky will be fine. If Damian Collins takes that next jump, I mean, he's another high end potential guy that, that, you know, people just have a ton of expectations for. Uh, to take that jump, you need one of those three pieces to take a jump, and and, and Toppin is clearly going to be a guy that will have the role to do to do that and make that type of jump. So, uh, you know, Toppin's kind of the guy that you want to pencil in as 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 maybe the guy who could you know take some of the load off of losing Shaden Sharp a little bit, uh, him, him kind of establish himself as a as a potential star at that four position next year. But it's on him to make that happen. He's got to stay in the gym. He's got to work on that jumper because uh, you know. His production really didn't improve uh, all that much from year one to year two uh, in Lexington. And you don't want another Keon Brooks situation where, yeah, he, he's good and, and, and he's producing, but really not taking that jump that Kentucky desperately needs. Yeah, and, and I think that you're going to see that jump this season with Jacob Toppin. I, I really do. I just think that there's so much that that he can add to this team. I think this is going to be – 
a team that is going to be elite defensively. I really feel that way, especially when you're talking about Case and Wallace and and what you're getting in Chris Livingston too. I think those are two guys coming in. They're going to instantly be better defenders than some guys that they had this past season. We know what Toppin can do. We know the on-ball presence of Xavier Wheeler. We know Damian Collins and that length, and he can affect the game in extended minutes uh, with that wingspan and his ability to maybe block some shots and and make some plays near the rim as well. So I'm a big fan of the news of Jacob Toppin coming back. I, I think that a bigger role for him is going to be a good thing for this Kentucky team, but you mentioned a couple of more names there. Uh, Damian Collins, like Kentucky has some pieces to go alongside Oscar Shibway and these talented freshmen coming in that if if either Damian Collins or Jacob Toppin can just tap into some of that NBA upside that that people kind of look at their game and say, okay, I could see Jacob Toppin being a, a nine or ten year pro. I really, I really could. Whether that be a first round draft pick, a second round draft pick, or even an undrafted sign a signing, so something like that uh, for him. I just think that his athleticism and, and skill, he he's going to be able to carve out a role in the league, especially if he adds to that jump shot of his and can extend the floor and and space it out at that four spot. So Kentucky's got a couple of upside pieces that if they tap into that potential. It's going to make Kentucky significantly better, but they need at least one of those guys to do it. The third and final significant news of the day, and it and it just may be in terms of you know future impact and and what the the kind of the trajectory of this program is. It may be the most significant as Kentucky. It will uh, reportedly hire Oklahoma associate head coach KT Turner, uh, who. Uh, is now a three-time associate coach. He was there at SMU under Larry Brown at Texas. Um, you know, he was there uh, under Shaka Smart. And then now more recently, uh, one year at Oklahoma under uh, first-year head coach Porter Moser. Sean, this is a, a name that I think when the news initially came out that this was the guy, I, I think there was a sense of kind of uneasiness with the fan base because uh, you had heard the you know rumors coming out of you know Chris Quinn with the Miami Heat being a guy. Uh, God Sham God, who's been working with the Dallas Mavericks, who's, you know, kind of a, a highlight play, you know, kind of guy, all entertainment, uh, you know, kind of that that swaggy type guy that, that would fit just kind of seamlessly at a place like Kentucky. There were rumors about him potentially coming. So I think when the news initially came out that a 44-year-old associate head coach from Oklahoma came out, you know, you look at his track record of guys he signed, it's really not a, an extensive list of superstars in the slide. There was, I think there was a sense of uneasiness and a little bit of, uh, you know, man, we could have gone for a home run hire. We could have gotten this type of guy, uh, you know, an NBA talent, whatever it is, uh, you know, one of the top young up and coming stars like what Jay Lucas was when he got to Kentucky. And, you know, uh, I understood some of that frustration, but, but I, I made uh, a dozen phone calls throughout the afternoon ranging from different recruits and, uh, you know, people in the grassroots scene. I, I talked to, you know, a dozen different people that that knew him, that know of his coaching style, that know what he's he's best at. And, Sean, I, I heard nothing but positive things, rave reviews about this guy, um, you know, especially in terms of a player development standpoint. He doesn't have the recruiting punch that I think maybe uh, some Kentucky fans wanted, but uh, he absolutely has the player development thing down. I mean, I, I talked to uh, several different people that just could not stop raving about how well he is uh, in, in terms of 
or how great he is in, just in terms of, of a player developer. And that's something that I, I don't think Kentucky has had since losing, you know, Kenny Payne. You get back, you know, Orlando Antigua, who was known as a player developer, but really we haven't gotten to see a, a whole lot of, uh, you know, growth, you know, with Chin Coleman and Jay Lucas. It, we're just been, we've been waiting for that kind of player development role to kind of reestablish itself after Kenny Payne left. And you're hoping that this is what KT Turner can do. That's kind of what he's known for is, is being a, a, a an elite player developer, uh, and if if he can come in and be that guy, especially with what we were just talking about with guys like Jacob Toppin, guys like Chris Livingston, guys like Damian Collins, that you're hoping can you know kind of be a, a bigger impact player than maybe people are anticipating, then I think it's a home run hire. I think it, it's pretty pretty easy when he's 44 years old well respected in the game and i mean look he's a three-time associate head coach if if those three big names including larry brown who's a hall of famer is willing to trust them to him to be their right hand man i mean you got to think that him being a number three at kentucky uh, is is plenty uh for for what kentucky needed at this given time yeah, and the name Larry Brown is what stands out to me. That's the one that kind of makes this one make sense to me. When I, when I was looking at uh, when KT Turner's name popped up, I'm like, okay, like tie all this together for me. And, and that was the name that tied it all together. A, a good friend of John Calipari. We know that Cal trusts Larry Brown. Yeah, I'm sure that Cal and Larry have had multiple conversations uh, about KT Turner and and things like that and, and kind of how he fits and how he'd fit. And then the ties to Texas. I mean, you lose Jay Lucas and I know the recruiting punch thing that you're talking about there or the lack thereof, you still have a guy that is rooted deeply in that state with relationships and things like that. And maybe that's, uh, that's an area that will help him in recruiting, uh, knowing the state very well and knowing the talent there. Uh, you mentioned the associate head coach role. I mean, it's been mo- multiple associate head coach roles. So we know that he's had prime roles on key staffs across multiple jobs in college basketball. I, I think that that is a big thing, too. This isn't like uh, we're talking 16 years of, of coaching experience coming to Kentucky. I think that's a big deal. And uh, he'll slide right in there with the staff and and do a lot of game planning and doing other things uh, alongside John Calipari. And I, I think the move makes a ton of sense, but that name Larry Brown is what made it make even more sense to me about why Cal went this direction. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, keep going down that coaching tree list. He was also there with Greg Marshall at Wichita state for one year who, you know, he's a guy that, you know, clearly you know, he lost his job, got under a ton of fire for, uh, you know, things that he did for that program, you know, while at that program, but at the same time, at the mo- at that moment, he was seen as one of the most respected coaches in the game, just in terms of pure coaching talent. So you add that to the list of Larry Brown and uh, you know Shaka Smart. You know, it, I, I'm pretty sure that Chris Beard, when he took that job over uh, at Texas, that he kind of fought a little bit to keep him there as well. Uh, so I mean, that's just a long list of different guys. Porter Moser now at Oklahoma, and then you know, go go further back. Greg Marshall. I mean, that's a long list of guys that wanted uh, this new assistant to be on on their staff. So uh, if if they all want him, then clearly clearly there's something to be said uh, about Kentucky's interest as well, and that he comes highly re- regarded. Also, something to keep in mind: he's very close with the Mokian Elite Grassroots Program, who uh, you know. The last two guys that have come from there that went to Kentucky were Bryce Hopkins and Sky Sky Clark. Uh, you know, things unfolded the way they did under uh, with Bryce. wasn't a great breakup. 
Uh, you know, that, that situation is what it is. Sky makes more sense. I've talked to, you know, Sky's dad and, you know, they, they said it, it's been nothing but positive that they don't see that they're you know, the Mo King can Kentucky connection being a negative one, at least on their end. Uh, but it is something to be said that Mo can produces a ton of high level basketball talent every, every single year, Sean. Uh, and it'd be, it'd be stupid to just, you know, kill a relationship with a, a high level program like that uh, in one off season. They needed something to kind of get that spark back with that program along with others. I mean, KT uh, Turner is also very close with the uh, Griffin um Team Griffin, which that's actually where Damian Collins came from as well. There's a long list of schools that are programs that genuinely respect what KT Turner does on on the grassroots trail. So uh, that's definitely something to keep in mind. He may not be the, you know, punchy recruiter where he's going to get the, you know, kind of high profile guys, at least on the surface level from day one. He hasn't had that yet during his time uh, in college, but uh, when you connect the dots in terms of what he brings as a player developer, his connection was very, with, you know, deep connections with some other grassroots programs. I mean, you just go down the list. Uh, it's a, it's, it, there's no, it's nothing short of a, of a very impressive hire that I think when fans get past that, it's not a name brand hire. I think it's going to be one that they uh, come around to pretty quickly. Yeah. And, and we know that this is one that John Calipari certainly did his homework on. And I know when Cal was on the radio, probably a month ago now uh, he was talking about whoever that they add, they have to add value. They've had, they have to have added value to players. I can't remember the exact quote, but he was talking about development and, and working with players as an assistant coach. Have you worked with NBA players, you know, and, and who have they developed and stuff during their, their coaching career. So, you know, John Calipari did a lot of homework on this and obviously he checks off that box he has those roots to the state of Texas. It, does that help in recruiting? You get a guy that has a ton of experience as an associate head coach and can kind of step into that role. And, and then I just think it's uh, it makes a ton of sense for, for this opening that's on the staff. You've still got Orlando Tigo. You've got Chin Coleman. Uh, but I, I think that having someone that worked with Larry Brown, and, and we know that John Calipari is all about relationships and he's all about – kind of in, in having that trust and in knowing what he's getting. And, and I, I think that he certainly knows what he's getting in this hire. Yeah. And, you know, and I really wouldn't be opposed to, you know, there was the Matt put out the uh, report that Dewan Wagner could be added to the staff in, in some capacity and similar to what happened at Louisville with Milt Wagner. And I'm not saying that you just go hire Dewan just to get DJ or, you know, any specific hire to hire a specific to, to snag a specific kid, but more so saying I, I'm still not opposed to getting creative and adding special assistance to the head coach. When when Jay Lucas was brought in as, uh, you know, onto the staff initially, he was brought in as a special assistant to the head coach slash recruiting coordinator. I think it, it would absolutely be in Kentucky's best interest to keep adding voices in the room, keep adding young uh, up and coming minds. And, and, you know, keep this thing moving forward, get creative, get, you know, add some, some value to this, uh, to this roster. Don't get stagnant. Don't just kind of say this, this coaching staff is what it is. The people inside this program are who they are. Uh, let's roll the balls out and let's go. I still think that there could be some tweaking and, and adding, uh, you know, some creativity on that front. Um, you know, that's just kind of a, a side note because there was that report today about, uh, the possibility of Dewan Wagner being added. And it, I, I would clearly support that to do whatever it takes to get DJ. But at the same time, uh, it's more so the idea of it, Sean, uh, 
uh, I think it's it's time to kind of add, uh, get a little bit creative and and do what they did to what Cal did two off seasons when adding Jay Lucas uh, initially. Uh, you know, find a couple guys like that who can add value that are looking for an opportunity. You know, you know, go to the NBA, find some people with you know the Spolster coaching tree that they were looking at before. You know, the Pop coaching tree, whoever it needs to be that you know a video coordinator guy or somebody that's just looking for an opportunity to be at a high level program. Uh, I think it'd be in Cal's best interest to keep looking to add somebody like that, um, whether it's Dewan Wagner or not. Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. You can, you can never have enough uh, when it, or never have too many when it comes to basketball minds and pieces and, and people that can help you run your program and do some things behind the scenes and then help with player development, you know, help with scouting, all these things. And I'm all for it, especially in today's game of basketball when we're talking a lot about modern basketball and how this game is just changing every single year. There's something about this game changing and the way it's played and and uh, I think having someone that can help you keep up and and, and with the changes of, of college basketball and, and what's going on, whether it be on the floor or off the floor, I just don't think you can have uh, too much help. With that, let's uh, kind of get the heck out of here. I know it's been uh, a minute and uh, I appreciate that the fans were patient with us and let us kind of. Uh, go through our vacation and get through the wedding and the the hectic EYBL season, you know, session in Louisville. I know uh, we got, geez, dozens of people asking about sources, say, on both of our, our Twitter feeds and in our direct messages and all that. So I, I we saw all of them and we knew that we needed to get one out as soon as possible. And uh, we just couldn't wait a minute longer with uh, all the news that came out today. So, Sean. Um, with that, let's get the heck out of here and make sure, uh, it, it doesn't take as long to get another one out. Cause I know the fans are wanting, uh, wanting more, more episodes and we uh, will make uh, sure to get that content right back out there. Yeah. I don't think that's going to be a problem. I, I think we're going to have quite a bit to talk about as we go throughout the summer and whether that be recruiting or, or what's going on with this roster where we know we're going to get some player availability at some point, especially with the new players and, and uh, the guys will be arriving on campus. I'm not sure when they all will will be there, but we know that those summer workouts will fire up pretty soon, and we'll have a lot of content coming from those, I'm sure. Yeah, and on that note, uh, maybe put this out there, just just whispering it, but uh, Case and Wallace will be on campus tomorrow morning. Uh, so I probably by the time you guys are listening to this, Case and will be on campus. I talked to uh, you know his dad, and they're very excited about getting there, and I know – uh, same for Chris Livingston. They're planning on getting there this this week as well. So uh, it's coming. Players are getting on campus. We got the player availability tomorrow. We get to talk to CJ Frederick when he hosts that camp. So uh, plenty of good stuff here to come, Sean. Uh, and we'll make sure to uh, pump out these podcasts as much as we can. With that, Sean, let's get the heck out of here. Where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for another Jam Packed Sources A podcast. We will see you then.
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.